is always a little bit delayed on this. Uh, meeting has been live streamed, so there you go. We are live or as of now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the well, the final podcast, actually, before the Umpires Conference. I'm joined by a, a well-esteemed guest, actually, Ahmed Bouzid of Witlingo, uh, author, co-founder, sorry, and CEO of Witlingo, and uh, I would say veteran in the conversational AI space. Ahmed, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm very happy to be here with you. Likewise. Yeah. You've been on the podcast once before. We did, uh, when was it? It, it, it was a, either a year ago or might have even been two years ago. We did a very uh, interesting debate, which was called Voice Sucks or something like that with you, Brett and John Kelvey. And uh, it was right around the time when Amazon Alexa was kind of like maybe reaching a bit of a moment where it'd been through a lot of hype as I think ChatGPT is experiencing now. And we were maybe just going down the trough of disillusion, would you say, at that point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was uh, the point where we were starting to realize that we were not, as a community, doing a good job identifying value, right? And therefore, um, a, lot of, a lot of reactions from folks <clears throat> who are not in our bubble when they encounter voice, um, you know, the Echo and, uh, and, uh, and the Google and all that is, okay, so you build this thing. First of all, like 90% of the time, the experience is, is badly designed, right? Number one. Number two, there's no value, right? So if you look at the quadrant, right, a lot of these skills were in the bottom left. Bad experience, zero value, as opposed to great experience and great value, the top right, right? So voice sucks was sort of the, um, the realization by us that we were playing almost more, all of us were playing somewhere in the bottom left, mm. delivering uh, crappy skills, not all, right, obviously, um, that didn't have any value. And the people who were making actual money, and they were all making it very quietly, meaning they were not hyping anything, they were just going and delivering great value within an ecosystem of of solutions meaning uh, they didn't come and say try the echo it's great they said okay you're doing this thing and you're solving this problem using these channels why don't you mm -hmm. add this channel as well and it made perfect sense as opposed to hey this thing is gonna take over the world this thing this technology can take over the world by storm you had better get in there doesn't matter what you do just get in there Right. And some people mm. bit. Um, and those who did buy it and bought and said, okay, I just feel after a year, like, so what did so we spent twenty thousand dollars on this thing? Where is the return? At which point saying just hang in there, we're gonna get there, it's no longer. So they they'll cancel the contracts and they'll go away, right? Um, and so as 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 we as you and I were talking before um uh, before uh, going live. You know, it just goes back to the bottom line of every single business out there, no matter what, is find the value first, right? And find that client who's willing to pay you money. Make sure that whatever you do, you know that you can do it again for some other clients. Again, mm -hmm. the very basics. Um, and then and then do it, succeed, learn, do it again, and then you will and you will uh, you'll grow. If you don't do mm -hmm. that, there's no other way. There, there's no technology that's gonna it's going to be introduced that will introduce a, a whole new way of doing business. It's just an illusion. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Very good point. 
No, no, that's good. I think we'll 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 come back to that because I think it's a very important point. Um, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor today, Tidio. Uh, Tidio is an AI powered customer experience software, and it's designed specifically for uh, small businesses that are uh, small and medium sized businesses that operate online. So I think retailers and, and things like that. Uh, it's got live chat capability. It's got conversational AI capability. Out of the box, its domain NLU will resolve four out of five customer questions, which is pretty decent and it helps you uh free up uh staff resources by uh out of the box use cases it delivers things like product availability shipping order status returns and all that kind of stuff so if you want to increase sales uh with a personalized shopping experience and you want to be able to scale without employing a bunch of staff then you should give tidio a try you can go to tidio.com forward slash vux if you want to sign up there you can save 20 percent uh on that so that's tidio t-i-d-i-o.com forward slash vux any of you small businesses uh, and medium-sized businesses out there that want to benefit from this technology, then uh, go and do that. And the other thing I need to tell you all about is the Unpassed Conference, the world's first conversation design conference in London this coming Monday, 24th and 25th of July, is sold out as of now. The last tickets went today. And so in person, it is maxed out, uh, which is great. Looking forward to uh, getting everyone together in London, which is going to be amazing. And there are plenty of online tickets available. So if you want to, Pay, take part. You obviously you won't get the networking, but you'll get all the content. You can watch it on demand as well. If you can't watch it live, go to unparsedconf.com and you can get your online tickets there. Uh, thank you so much. So, yeah, as as we were saying, a lot changed since then. And that podcast we were doing, Voice Sucks, was like a debate, really, which was like on the one hand, um, we had, I think it was like Brett, who was maybe his, um, I don't know, not necessarily convinced as such. I think we all were kind of reaching that point where we know that it it's not necessarily the be all and end all the kind of like the 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 absolute future which was a shame because a lot of us spent a lot of time and effort trying to make it so um and so it was a really good debate kind of on both sides of it but i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there which is that one of the things that i think damaged the adoption of that was the fact that there was just so much poor implementations out there and although the potential is still there the potential for businesses to be operating on, on Amazon Alexa and to move into a more conversational, ambient computing kind of environment is still very much there. But I think you hit the nail on the head, which was that I don't think many people found the alignment between solving a business problem and actually providing that solution. You know, the technology is great. Customer need was there because people were using the devices, but no one managed to find a business problem over, over and above. Use it for marketing to get more eyeballs on your content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we just said that the uh, meaning on our end, we are still making, we are now making money, right? Uh, using Alexa, but not the way we thought we would make it, which would be like, hey, we're going to build this skill and everybody's going to use it. No, right? Uh, we have use cases and we're very focused on the use cases. We understand the use case. We understand the problems, right? Uh, and none of our deployments is the Echo only, the only uh, channel. None of them, right? They are wow. it's always part of the part of our, our other channels like phone or it's part of or texting right somebody is trying to um somebody's trying to reach an audience and they use these channels or these people have all these kinds of channels within within a community and they want to get information or they want to reach out right so it's very important to ensure that um that when you go in to say pitch someone that you understand um what is the problem you're solving and how are they solving it now, right? Most of the time, you, you the deal you're going to close is going to be 
um, especially with these new technologies, your best chance of succeeding is, is finding a way to insinuate yourself or insinuate the technology within this ecosystem, as opposed to creating a whole new world for them, right? So if you mm-hmm. want, like the way we we're going about it initially is, because you have all these things, this is old stuff, texting, I'll forget about it, right? I'm going to have a whole new thing, which is called the Echo, and it's going to be this amazing thing, and nobody's going to use any of the other things, which was extremely naive. Um, now it's, you know, we're in a far humble, much more humble position uh, that allows us to, forces us actually to understand the problem and understand how we can solve it within the existing constraints and within the, in the, the, the existing um, you know, ecosystem of solutions and to find our way there and to pitch, to pitch it as here's how we can additionally um, you know, add a new channel or, or provide a new convenience for you guys or eliminate or reduce costs or eliminate friction in this very specific way within this ecosystem that they are familiar with so that they can, they can visualize and understand how this fits. And given that those ch- other channels are providing value, you know, um, that sort of, you know, you sort of inherit that by, you know, texting is delivering value for you, right? Is phone phone calls, yes. You know, the echo also, right? So it's it's much easier to sell um, than just coming in raw and, and yeah. expecting them to be as much of a risk taker as we, the innovators are. They're not risk takers. The buyers are not. In fact, it's the very opposite. Right. The more uh, uh, the more cutting edge technology, the more your job is to show them that you, the company, uh, are going to help them take advantage of that technology with the minimal risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, if you look at those days when when you know everybody was really enthusiastic about Alexa in terms of the kind of, like the, the community, a lot of the use cases, as I mentioned, there was a lot of entertainment a lot of kind of media, a lot of marketing. Um, but then on the other side, if you look at like where is the business problem and, and where can businesses apply the technology, not necessarily Alexa, the the kind of the assistant, but the technology behind it, most of those problems that are being solved are around customer experience, customer service, those kind of use cases. So you had like marketing and entertainment on one hand, kind of like customer service and customer experience on the other hand. Where where have you sort of ended up? You mentioned there that a lot of your deployments that use Alexa also use other channels. Are you focusing yeah. on more like customer experience, customer service based use cases, or like can you give us an example of of a type of use case that that utilizes that ecosystem? As you've been explaining, yeah. So um, broadly speaking, it's it's um, introducing <clears throat> introducing not only the now that we are sort of focused on. On this use case, and I'll describe it, uh, where we're, we're able to sell not only the the Echo but other services as well. We're able to sell, or oh, you don't have texting with the texting and the Echo. Um, oh, by, by the way, there's a new technology called ChatGPT, right? That allows your folks to get answers to questions. So the use case at the high level is communities, right? There are lots and lots of communities out there. Communities could be a country club, could be assisted living home, could be wherever it may be. There is somebody who's in charge of communicating and messaging the community uh, in a timely fashion. And that community is heterogeneous, meaning um, some of them don't use the echo, they use texting, some of them use the phone, some of them use 
um, you know, they use Facebook, right, Messenger, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so, so there's a lot of value to be delivered within that that use case of communities, right, mm. where where communication needs to happen, and the communications could be something urgent needs to be communicated. Uh, it could be something emotional that needs to be communicated. For example, assisted living or retirement homes or whatever you want to call it. Somebody dies, right? So it can't be a text. Mm. It can be something by voice, right? Um, so you use voice, you use audio, um, and then you send maybe a message to folks and they can listen to that audio um, or, or they want on their end. So it's sort of a two-sided equation. They want to communicate. They want to send something. They want to ask about the mail. Is the mail in, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's within the ecosystem of communities where where you, the company or the, the the provider, are able to come in and to help them go to the next level. So most of them are using things like email, and they're using maybe you know flyers, right? So you come in and say, okay, let's add one more, right? And why should we add it? Well, you know, you, you know, for example, um, if you're doing, you know, retirement homes, living homes, baby boomers now are getting in. These folks are sophisticated when it comes to technology. All they have, all they all have smartphones, so they all know how to use text. And so now, hey, you know, let's leverage that uh, fact, that new development. Let's you, let's have them, let's let's have you uh, add that channel. To the way, to the to the two or three ways that you are communicating with them, right? Um, and so that's where. So we've been very busy, basically just conquering, not conquering, but you know, engaging with those communities and and then closing deals and so forth. Um, and there, the Echo has a very natural place. Again, these folks, um, it's gone mainstream. No matter what, how we feel about it, smart speaker is now mainstream. People know what it is, they know how to use it, and so forth. And so now, uh, and you know, uh, you know, fifty percent plus of the the folks, um, the communities that we deal with, have the echo in their home, and so it is a nice way to deliver. It's not exclusive, right? It's not the only thing, right? If they they might have three ways that they might pick up the phone and call and find out what's going on. They might get a text, or they might to ask their echo, you know, what are the latest uh, news from from my community, and they hear that, right? Um, and so. Again, I go back to the 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 baseline point, which is go to a place where they have a problem that's existing, long-standing. Find how you can add value with your, you know, with your uh, with, with the channels that you have access to in terms of delivering them as um, as solutions. Mm, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Jack who's tuning in. Shout out to Paul Kutzinger, who uh, previous guest on the podcast, ex Amazon Alexa, uh, now at Nvidia, I believe. Shout out to Paul. Uh, interestingly. Um, I would love to get Paul's perspectives on this potentially. Like as we've been discussing, you know, both of us, not necessarily you, I think you, you were working in this space long before ours, but like we kind of come together while we were both creating things for for Alexa. That's how you know we know your likes of Paul and and things like that. And and you know, Jeff Blankenberg, who's actually recently just left Amazon. Um, and so as as we kind of move through that period where we started to sort of like not necessarily there were signs that Amazon Alexa wasn't going in terms of not the the platform, but in terms of the market surrounding third-party skill building wasn't perhaps heading in a direction that we were expecting. Um, so you've had to make some decisions around Witlingo over that time. I believe that Witlingo began as like a development framework, like a platform, correct me if I'm wrong. Now mm-hmm. it sounds as though more you're 
focusing as a product now it sounds as though you've got capabilities that you offer to communities they're going to have similar needs similar use yeah. cases i imagine it's kind of more productized now i wonder if you can share a little bit about your yeah. journey with witlingo from from that kind of platform approach to a product if that's yeah. what it is correct me if i'm wrong though i might be wrong yeah yeah no uh, no, we always started with uh, with with uh, a focus on product. Very 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 early on, actually. Again, this is advice to everybody: is um, even if you want to be a, a SaaS product company, B two B. So we're B two B SaaS, right? Um, uh, uh, close one deal along the lines, well, like one clients along the lines of where you want to go directionally, right? Um, and serve that client, get them to sign a contract, validate that you can. You can be a salesperson. Usually, it's one or two people who are launching a company. Can you sell in B two B? If you can't sell, right? You know, at least in the first, um, I don't know, two, three, four years, then you're not going to go anywhere. In fact, sales is always crucial. So, make sure you can sell something. That something could be a completely customized solution, right? Um, there's no product at all, right? But make sure that you choose. You choose, you have a vision of a product that you think at least high level, right? you think you want there's a need for and do your research at least uh, make sure that you know you're not solving a very very specific problem um and then make sure you close that deal make sure they're happy and then learn as much as you can and then try to get a second customer that is very close to that and then a third one as you go along try to take that first solution and and sort of productize it right you know create a yeah. login Create a login so that those the first client can log in and they're doing their thing, and then you can create another login, right? Another uh, user, right? Um, and, then, and then from there, converge towards the product. So yeah, we started that way, and we've always been that way. But initially, it was very much about Alexa, right? So it's a product. In essence, in essence it was you log in, and in there you have content that you can manage. That content is something that can be served into your uh, platform. We made it so that. You don't have to use flows. It was very specific to uh, the use case of customer care, right? So customer care is all about asking questions, giving answers, and then routing people if they want to be routed, right? So, and so we focused on that. And we had some success, right? But not the success that we expected or we wanted, um, which is everybody is going to have a skill for customer care. No, because, you know, people are going to pick up the phone or go to the web before they go to Alexa. They see Alexa as a completely different animal, really. Um, mm -hmm. Alexa is for their daily things. They don't associate it necessarily with uh, a channel for a, a company, right? So that whole customer care, at least for us, didn't work out, right? Didn't work out. Um, so we were sort of, we, we, so we were able to close the first deal. We were able to close the second deal, the third deal. Deal. We we built a product, but then, but then, you know, people were like, okay, we're not getting the traction. We're not seeing people using it, right? Um, and, and so we had to start thinking, what's the next step? So the next step was really what we learned from that is that uh, all things, not all things, you know, being the same, the audio part of it, the digital audio is compelling, right? Um, and so we said, okay, let's 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 uh, let's let's not throw like that completely. But let's think about digital audio delivering, enabling companies to deliver uh, to um, you know to serve their their uh, customers and so forth through digital audio. And so we expanded, and we said and that was just around the time when social audio was uh, was becoming big, right? Like um, Clubhouse and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we piggybacked on that one, that hype, right? 
And so there was a lot of hype there. Um, and so we were able to close some deals on digital audio, right, where people are able to, you know, create audio and add them to their web pages and get folks to stay longer on their web pages because of the audio and so on. So there was some value that was quantifiable. But again, nothing, nothing um, close to where we wanted to be. Uh, but again, we were able to make enough money to survive, right, as a team. Mm. To, to continue, right? And again, I think to the extent that we were able to stay close to value, we were able to do that, right? I think if we just said, no, let's just raise some more money and just triple down on Alexa, right? I think we would have been completely killed because we have gone through the money and it would have been the end of that. But we were able to do those micro pivots, not completely pivots, but just, okay, let's add this. Let's, you know, let's see how we can make money by focusing a little bit more on digital audio. Um, and then from there, um, we we said we we got a couple of successes with communities, right? And that's when we sort of things started to get get clearer, right? Mm. Uh, okay, and then we said, okay, well let's let's focus, let's forget about the technologies and the digital audio and all this good stuff, right? Let's just uh, throw that hat and just go and and talk to these folks uh, and find out what problems they have. So I and a couple of folks from my team sort of um, spent like I don't know three months just just going and visiting with these folks, right? And just understanding, understanding. And, it, and, and again and again, and it came down to communication, 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 right? How can you help us be a lot more efficient in the way we are able to share information and in the way that our community is is, is able to, um, to access information that uh, is available to them, right? So the website is one way, but it's really not the best way for folks to go and find out. They want to ask questions. So for example, a lot of these folks, uh, and again, the baby boomers are really interesting because they use Messenger, they use Facebook a lot, right? So for them asking the uh, 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 the, the Facebook Messenger a question, getting an answer turned out to be a thing. And mm. there's no way in hell we would have found that out if we hadn't spent a lot of time with the communities and asking them questions and all that and just finding out, wow, I didn't know that. Mm. So you guys are very comfortable with Messenger? Yeah, yeah. I use it all the time with my family. And then what if you could use it to ask questions and get you know the latest on your community, right? Uh, like uh, tomorrow there's yoga at 10 a.m., right? Would you use it? Yeah. Okay, well, let's do a little pilot, right? And so and so finally we start behaving like you know a bona fide business, which is go find out, do your research, spend the time, don't get all you know hyped up by the hype. Right, just go and do the, the, the you know the the stuff that we don't like to do. The technology, just go and talk to people and find out what what, what problems can we solve for them. And then, because we are technologists and and we do that thing, which is a natural, and talk to people, and force ourselves to be really product marketers and managers, um, then we can connect dots. We can say, mm -hmm. ah, all right, I see. So we have these technologies, and we have now these problems. We know about all these, right? But we don't know about. We have to force ourselves to learn. Then we, we connect us, and that's, that's how we bring value, right? Bring value by converting all of that, all those dots and connections into actual products and features. And since then, since we've been doing that, we have finally been able to systematically go pitch, you know, demo, close, you know, manage uh, the relationships, get more leads, and so on. Uh, in in closer to where. Um, we want to be we're, we're you know well i think we're sort of there in terms of at least at least it's a business that is doing the things that businesses do which is find value solve it you know make sure that you're solving it for a big market go sell and rinse and repeat again
Nice. Perfect. That's really good. Uh, shout out to Maria, who says hello from London. Great insights. Looking forward to Unpars next week. Me too, Maria. Uh, only online tickets left now if you've not, got, not got your ticket yet. Um, you mentioned the word hype there, and you alluded to a little bit earlier on. You mentioned Clubhouse and all these kind of audio first apps and stuff like that. So we've had lots of different phases of hype in recent years. You know, the audio social social audio apps had their day. And for a while, and I don't know how many people still use the likes of Clubhouse, but I remember it was like absolutely booming at one point. We had NFTs kind of like really reach a, a pinnacle of, of kind of hype and everyone's buying pictures online for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. That seems to have sort of died down a little bit. The next thing I suppose you could say is ChatGPT. Since November last year, that's still going through a period of hype at the moment. Everybody's interested. Everyone's kind of, um, I think website usage has dropped slightly, but still there is no shortage of attention around OpenAI and attention around uh, ChatGPT. In your view, is ChatGPT large language models, are they hype as in that's similar to kind of like the the NFTs and similar to social audio? Are they technologies that will be around and stand the test of time similar to the more traditional intent-based NLU systems, for example, and speech-to-text, things like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, hype is not an attribute of a technology, right? It's a set of activities that people, you know, engage in. So, for example, you know, the internet, as we know it, at some point was in a state of hype, right? So nobody can say that the internet uh, was just you know, vaporware. So I think this thing that people have where they equate hype with vaporware is misguided. Um, so uh, sm- even smart, even Facebook, you know, there was a time where it was a hype or social media was people were saying this is a hype. And it went through a bubble and then just, you know, and became mainstream and people stopped, stopped talking about it. This is the greatest, uh, you know, thing since whatever, slight spread and whatever. Um, so Again, hype is not an attribute uh, of, of, of technology, is what people do. And people and hype has its own dynamics, right? People come and they have this concern, usually people who are new to tech or are intentionally trying to hype something for nefarious purposes and so forth. Um, but um, uh, but these all these technologies, all of them, right, up to this point, I believe, um, have value and they continue uh, after the hype, and and after the hype is when things become real, right? Now, um, uh, let's take the example of I don't know, like Alexa, speech recognition, right? There was a lot of hype, but it hasn't gone away. People are still using their Alexas on a daily basis, right? The skills we're gonna make a lot of money using skills um, was a hype because that's how we behaved. It doesn't mean that skills are actually zero, are vaporware. No, it, uh, we are delivering really. Very, uh, not we're not the only ones for sure, the, delivering the skills that are actually making people's lives better. They wake up in the morning and they ask, uh, you know, what's the latest on my in my community, and they hear it, and it makes them feel better, or they get a piece of information that the bus is going to leave at ten forty-five a.m. today. Uh, we're going to go to the mall, and they didn't know that. Uh, and if they hadn't asked their Alexa, they wouldn't. So value continues to be delivered. The hype is gone away, thank God, right? So that now we can hunker down and do the work, right? <clears throat> so that expectations are not wild uh, and people are not being duped into spending a lot of time doing something that is going to lead nowhere or thinking that, hey, this is business 3.0. The rules have changed. We can just now you know, force ourselves into making money in this brand new way. 
There's no brand new way of making money, everyone. If there's only one way to make money, deliver deliver value uh, and value enough so that somebody's going to take out the wallets and give you money. They will not give you money otherwise, right? It's very hard to get somebody to, to share money. Anyway, so to answer your question really is um, NFTs, for example, it was a massive hype, but NFTs this day are going to remain with us and Web3 is going to be remaining because they solve a real important problem. For example, I'll give you an example where NFTs, and when I say NFTs, please do not uh, imagine GIF, uh, GIFs that sell for $40 million. <laughs> that That is not what these things are, right? For example, today, tickets, right? Just look on one of these case of ticketing, right? There are people today who go and buy like a whole bunch of tickets and then they resell them, okay? And how, how can you, and, and, and who benefits from that? The middleman. Are they delivering any value? None. They're just simply, um, so there is, these are worse than parasites that they go and they just buy a bunch of them and then they resell them. Okay, imagine that when somebody buys you know, a ticket, that ticket is an NFT, it goes into your wallet, and so that we know who bought it, right? And uh, and that thing in the smart contract, meaning the rules for the NFT, it says you can't resell it. All of a sudden, the problem of uh, is gone. Number two, if you want to resell it in the smart contract, you can resell it. You, If you resell it, the original artist gets a cut of the resell, right? Mm. So now, because when somebody resells, takes $100, and as they sell for a thousand dollars, the artist doesn't get the nine hundred dollars or a cut from the nine hundred dollars, right? Yeah. But these smart contracts, given that we're doing almost everything digitally, I don't know. When I go to the airport, I don't have a piece of paper. I just show them my QR code and whatever, and they right. Everything is done digitally, right? So now this. So I pointed NFTs since the NFTs have the the worst brand right now, right? Uh, and they went through the worst kind of hype, right? Even that technology, right? The hype is going away. Very good. You will start seeing things uh, where uh, real problems are being solved by this technology, you know, the blockchain or whatever, uh, in a way that um, that actually makes people's lives better. And, and these are real people. Artists are people and <laughs> real people who need to be fed, and they they need to be compensated for their uh, for their work. Um, now, for ChatGPT, it's the same. It's the same thing, right? Except that for ChatGPT. Uh, what is amazing is that the value proposition was there and was obvious from the get-go, okay? Um, meaning, uh, and one of the reasons, I don't know if it's true or not, one of the reasons you see a dip, people are saying, uh, right now in usage is because it's a summertime and students are not using it, and so you're going to see a spike in the fall, mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I I use the thing every single day not to get facts because it's just like I want to I want to find out What's the difference between, I don't know, what uh, Kant, the philosopher, and Hegel, um, give me in a couple of paragraphs, right? It does it for me. And I don't take it as gospel. I take it as a starting point to do more research, right? And I'm able to like, give me the 10 most, um, uh, 10 people who are alive today who are writing about how to, um, how to, uh, I don't know, how to solve the problem of blockchain being so expensive, right? And it gives me 10 people. What do mm. I do with that? I go to Google and I go and find the articles. Uh, how would I have been able to do that? Otherwise, it have been, I don't know, it have been hard, right? Mm. Um, anyway, the point is that, yes, there is hype in the, to the extent that people are saying, this is the best thing ever, and then we are going to solve all the problems in the world, and so on and so forth, and people are going to be taken in by that. So that's hype. But value is there. Clearly, value is there. 
Um, and we need to make sure that we use that value in a way that is obviously responsible, ethical, and that delivers value for folks and so on. Um, but I just want to make the point that hype is not an attribute of a tech. It is, it is our behavior and our behavior will go away. Uh, and if you see, most of the time, anything that's hyped uh, or technology disappeared because there were technology that came and left. I don't know, the Newton, remember? I don't know if you remember, it was before your day. Like the, the like many years before the smartphone, there was a thing called the Newton, right? It came in, there was no hype. It came in, nobody liked it, and it went away, right? When you, when you see hype, usually it means that there is something there. It's just we have too much expectations, too much expectation for it. When it dies down, we'll go to the value, right? Um, so I don't know if I answered about your question, but uh, sort of that's how I see things uh, from my perspective. Mm, definitely. No, I, I agree as well. Absolutely. I, I think the fundamental technology is, uh, well, it's, it's been, it's took a while for it actually to become hyped. You know, it's been, people have been using this for, for a few years now, you know, three years or so since GPT-3. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's very, very good point about hype not being a attribute of technology. It's an attribute of people. And that's, couldn't agree more with that. So what, what have you kind of with Witlingo, where have you, where's your experiments taken you with not chat GPT necessarily, but the underlying large language model technology, what kind of stuff have you been, uh, have you been doing? Where, where's the value for you in, in that technology? Yeah. Yeah. So again, the sort of the, the dog that is wagging the tail is the use case, right? In our case, communities, communities, they communicate with each other and they have knowledge that they share. They have knowledge that is there for you know it's institutional and so on. There's knowledge that's new, and so anything that helps these folks uh, access information or ask questions in a way that gives them what they want uh, is interesting. And obviously, ChatGPT is. And when I say ChatGPT, I don't mean ChatGPT as such. I mean ChatGPT customized. So as you know, you know you could build your own very customized ChatGPT uh, that only draws from a small and confined subset of information, right? So you can say, look only at these 40 links, 40 pages, right? And only at these five documents and answer questions only from there. If somebody asks, you know, what's the capital of Algeria? Say, I don't know. Okay, just confine it to that. Uh, and so you can see, right? You can see every community, you know, has its own chat GPT, customized chat GPT. Mm-hmm. That enables folks to ask questions in the most natural way and get answers that are not pages. They are concise narratives, small answers, you know, short answers and to the point. So we've seen success. So when we introduced it, we didn't say chat GPT. We said chat, we have, we can, we can give you a chatbot, right? That is powered by this technology that is large language. And uh, are you familiar with chat GPT? It's something along those lines. We didn't come in. Hey, wait a minute. Can we have a meeting about chat GPT? We didn't do that. Mm-hmm. We said, we want to add the chatbot. Everybody understands what a chatbot is. It doesn't sound like hype. Chatbot, mm. yeah, chatbot sure. And, but we did tell them that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's powered by a lot, you know, this, this thing called ChatGPT, called GPT, because it's not really ChatGPT. It's GPT is the, is the engine. ChatGPT is the interface and so forth. And so we walked a fine line to ensure that they don't think that we are trying to sell them technology. Um, and every single time, you know, it was totally, it made complete sense to them because we demoed and said, this is what they would do. They would go here to their messenger and they would ask a question and we'll give them an answer. And we didn't just say that, we actually, because 
because it's part of our product, we were able to go and actually take their, their pages, pages from their website and all that. And I did a demo and said, okay, let's say they ask, give me three questions that people ask. Oh, they ask this and that. How do they do it today? Well, they go to a website and they have to go and scan. Well, they don't have to do it anymore. They can just type a question and they get the answer. And they were all blown away when they see that the answer is one sentence, mm -hmm. right? Uh, as opposed to go to a page and hunt for it. And that's not what, um, actually, at least our target audience, which is all these folks in these communities, um, the, the, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more usable for them to just get a, a specific, concise answer to their, to their question. Mm, interesting. Does that, does your usage of large language models change based on the interface, for example, or, or have you got essentially one, one sort of like brain, one product, the knowledge repository is the knowledge repository, the language model is the language model, and you're just feeding the content into different channels. So for example, if you were to, if you were to do something for Alexa or for a voice user interface, would your uh, use case for large language models change or you know things like latency and things like that to contend with like or, or is everything exactly as it is yeah that's a good question yeah um so yeah it has to the design so that's where design has to come in if it's um let's say let's say it's an alexa skill and there's some chat gpt behind it meaning somebody's asking a question they're getting an answer uh, so there you have to design it um design it well so it handles failures well handles delays you know, uh, one has to understand that voice is linear and all that and all that. So that's why design is crucial. The engine behind the scenes is the same, but the 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 uh, the experience layer has to be crafted, has to be crafted mm -hmm. to ensure that um, that that it is highly usable. Uh, people are, are more than willing to wait, obviously, when you're when you're typing. But it's as you well know, right? It's uh, latency is a big problem if you don't handle it well in voice, right? So how do we, if it takes, you know, can you, you know, just say, hang, can hang on one second, it's coming, right? Now, here you go, right? Those little things are what makes the difference between adoption and non-adoption. Um, mm. But behind the scenes, it's the same engine. Um, I think it's a good idea to think about, can we leverage what we know about people who are using it through Alexa, sort of optimize the language model? That's a good, that's a good question. We haven't gotten to that point yet in terms of, of needing to optimize it, um, but it's a good thought. Mm. Interesting. Um, so that use case is is a a use case that is uh, in your case it's very practical because it's solving the very practical question and it's it's part of a broader array of capabilities. So you mm -hmm. already have a product; it's already delivering value. You're adding large language models into that product to increase the value. Whereas what you'll see a lot of, and this is when we go back to that conversation about hype, which is that what you'll see a lot of today is give us your data, we'll turn it into a chatbot in five minutes. Give us a web URL, we'll turn it into a, a conversational AI. Yeah. Uh, you know, give us a list of PDFs or whatever, and we'll turn it into a chatbot. That seems to be like a use case that a lot of companies are kind of like gravitating towards. Um, mm. But so that seems to be kind of like a, you know. Yeah. Uh, the difference between implementing that in production and, and a demo is, is is two things. But like, what what like are outside of that use case, which is using the large language model to interrogate data, presumably with some sort of vector database over the top of it, and then you send what data you retrieve to the large language model, get it to summarize, and then away you go. What are, are there any other sort of use cases yeah. that you're considering large language models for? Well, trans uh, translation. 
transcription. Those mm-hmm. are part that we do for uh, a couple of clients of ours. That we're... So we have, <clears throat> we're focusing on our main sort of uh, moneymaker, right? Um, but we have some features in our product where, <clears throat> because we're a SaaS, so behind the scenes, we can create packages, right? Um, and a package really is you log in with Lingo Studio. There are many features that can, uh, that, that can be leveraged. Um, and so a given use case is a subset of those features, right? That we enable mm-hmm. behind. So we create a package called community package, right? Community package, you have these features that make sense. There are other use cases uh, that we are exploring uh, where the focus is on um, large audio that needs to be transcribed, needs to be translated, needs to be summarized um, in a in as easy a way as possible. So their starting point is I have these audio files. I don't know, it could be meetings or it could be uh, mm-hmm. interviews, whatever it may be. And I want to be able to do these four things. I want to summarize them. All right, what's the, the crux? And I want them translated and I want them to be transcribed and a couple of other things, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's a whole, so there's a whole bunch of things that, that is available through the API, through the UPT API, that you can do with text. Mm-hmm. Once you've, once you've, once you've converted either video or audio into text, there's a whole world of things you can do. Now, mm-hmm. we could go and we could build all those features and we can say we can do all these 75 things, but we've learned our lesson, right? And so we're starting with two uh, customers who are interested in something along those lines. And we're trying to find, again, where is a sweet spot of, of core features because building feature costs money and there's opportunity costs and so on and so forth, right? So we're just very honed in on, on, the, on the task of knowing what we know about GPT and these large language models, knowing what you know and finding two customers Let's go and figure out if we can build a product so we can sell to 200 other customers. You know, once mm-hmm. we have pinned down these two and they're happy with us and they can be references and so on and so forth. But yeah, so the so I mean your 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 audience probably knows that you know if you go to GPT, if you log into your account, you see all these things that it can do for you, right? All these things. It can create letters and create whatever. Um, if you find uh customers who want three or four of those features. And you can productize the offering, um, then I think you'll have something. I think folks who are, like you mentioned, folks who are saying, uh, create an account and or give us your documents and create a chat GPT. I think those folks, um, they need that needs to be part of a strategy, meaning um, maybe you know that that kind of a thing. Uh, I don't know, somebody who's the uh, head of innovation within a company or the CTO might be interested in. So make sure you pitch that to them. And then work with them to see how you can have that be part of a bottom line kind of a thing, something that either does one of two things always, either creates new money or saves money. It's always one of those two. If you can do both, obviously, then you have something magical. But if you can convert that bot or whatever it is, working with somebody from inside so that they can help you um, land uh, a deal that is, that is going to survive years and years as opposed to an initial great, okay, we'll give you $1,000 if you do it. If you want something that's recurring so forth, find someone who is inside who will be able to help you. And those kinds of solutions that I see, I see I see them being the initial starting point of conversations with folks who are interested within the companies you want to sell into who are interested in these innovative technologies. Mm, yeah, it it is definitely needs to be part of a broader strategy. I don't believe that sticking a website onto 
chat GPT is, is going to, or a large language model is going to solve very important problems because more, most questions that people have are tied to some activity that they're doing. And so if yep. someone asks, what's your returns policy? And you're using the large language model to scrape your returns policy page and answer the question, what do you do when they say, okay, well, I've just bought something last Tuesday. I want to return it. Now they're into an action. Exactly. And, and then it kind of falls off. So it needs to be, definitely needs to be brought up a broader strategy. The yeah. issue I've found with, um, with some of it at, at this stage is we've been trying to use it to uh, take podcast transcripts and summarize podcast transcripts, but the context mm-hmm. windows are not sufficient just yet for us to get a whole transcript through the model. So we need to do it in sort of stages and stuff like that. And the other issue we come across is that speech to text, as you know, isn't always accurate. And so what we end up having is that the actual translated data from audio to text has certain errors in it. And so one of the things that I think would be interesting to look at is whether we could use a large language model to actually clean up that, yeah. Yeah. feed it a transcript and say, this is this is a translation yeah. from audio to text. The text is a bit off. Yeah. Find the missing words or spelling mistakes and yeah. all that kind of stuff and tidy up the transcript. That'd be that's a good idea, actually. I, I, That's a great idea. I'm going to try it out after this podcast and see if it can take a you know, mangled paragraph and make it yeah. down and, and straighten out. But yeah, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, uh, the reason why you were able to think of that is because you have a real problem you want to solve, right? Mm. Otherwise, how would you think of that? Uh, you know, I'm going to want to use it to correct stuff, right? Um, yeah, and the whole podcasting world is, you know, is growing. And there's a lot of money there. So I think there's there's plenty of opportunity for folks who are, uh, who are, who, who are going to invest time in understanding what are the real problems that folks who do podcasting and uh, folks who sponsor them, the whole ecosystem, right? Sit down and understand the ecosystem first and then go and talk to people, right? The nitty gritty of, of making it work. Um, there's always friction. And then just spend the time. My advice is spend the time to, you will not regret it. Spend the time to find out what are the real problems that are people that people are facing that can be solved. Um, but not one-off, meaning solve as part of a strategy. That this, when you solve this problem, right, they will want to do more things, which create more problems for you to solve for them. That's sort of the sort of the, usually how things go. You never solve, and then you're done. Mm. When you solve a problem, you open new opportunities. They want to do new things, and then they find new problems and so forth. Exactly, that's really good. Um, curious how. How does it perform with trans? I've never really don't use them for translation. That seems to be a, a huge use case that almost every company in the world would be a benefit from, given that even if you're not a international company, you're highly likely to have customers that don't speak your whatever your language is, wherever you are, as a first language. So that potential to have every assistant as standard be multilingual is a huge opportunity to solve a real problem. What's your sort of experience of using it for translation is it is it pretty good at translating is is it hit and miss like what's your general vibe oh it's on it? very it's amazingly i mean at least ChatGPT. I, I don't know if bard is offering it but ChatGPT is I, I speak three languages uh fluently arabic french and english and so i've had it translate even like erudite texts um and it does it just does amazingly well right so for example now once in a while I just take one of my essays and i just have it translated and i i tweak it just so it reflects my voice in french mm-hmm. right and i'm able to submit it to uh, french publications and they publish it and uh, there's no way i would have done that before because i just don't have the time to write anything or translate from scratch mm-hmm. right 
So for example, if you want to have your website be localized, right? Um, so you can have it in many languages, right? Well, there you go. I think this one is just, I mean, ChatGPT um, and, and whatever is out there um, can do it a lot more costly and, fa and fast and so on and so forth. So I would, I would, I would, I would declare that problem solved. That problem translation is solved, right? Mm. Either solved completely, meaning sometimes a paragraph that I see in English and it translates into French, I don't even touch it. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> most of the time it's not perfect, but I just, I do a couple of touch-ups, right? So it, it's an order or maybe two orders of magnitude less effort than if I had to really translate it from the get-go. Mm, that's really good. That's brilliant. Uh, Olya says, it's so hard to get good transcripts yet. I transcribed three and a half hours of Alex Fridman and Mark Anderson uh, using Assembly AI. Speaker identification was off, as was timestamps. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, I, miss. I would I would give Deep Gram a go, give uh, Speechmatics a go. I use Otter for the podcast transcribes. Um, and again, that's that's hit and miss, hence, <laughs> hence the need to use these uh, large language models for it. But um, yeah, no, that's 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 uh, really good. I, I know we're on time now, but um, yeah, really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, Ahmed. Definitely uh, huge respect. I love what you've been doing, and you're absolutely a 100% valued member of the old uh, conversational AI community. So thank you for everything. And I'll put the link to your book, uh, Elements of Voice First Style, uh, in the show notes as well as the website witlingo.com. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute thank pleasure. you so much for inviting me. I uh... I love what you do. You've been doing it for, I think you are one of the survivors, right? Or the yeah, few I think so. In, in the podcast. Few survivors. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, what's yeah. your stretch so far? Like five years at least or more? Yeah, five and a half now, yeah. Five and a half? Well, congratulations on that. Uh, it's very hard to do anything for more than a year. You've been doing it for five and a half years. So kudos to you. Yeah. Um, thank you. And thank you again for the time. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. Yeah, five and a half years. It's amazing that really. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, more or less one podcast every week for five and a half years is uh, intense. There was a period where there was, a, you know, going to talk about hype again, going back to the Alexa kind of, uh, the Alexa days. There was a new podcast every week about voice AI or conversational AI or messaging or whatever. And it's, uh, yeah, at one point I was like, this is just too much choice. I was spending my days listening to everyone else's podcast because I was just interested in the topic. Well, I mean, um, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's yielding. You built so much muscle, right? And uh, you can talk about this stuff in your sleep. Uh, all of that yeah. happened just like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, yeah. I'm sure you have your 10,000 hours uh, under the belt. Who was it who said, the, was it Caldwell? said, if you want to be excellent in anything, do 10,000 hours. And that's yeah. Something like that. Yeah, ten thousand dollars will make you an expert. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've definitely got 10, I think you have your ten thousand dollars and some change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Nice one. Well, I appreciate this. Absolutely yeah. pleasure to speak to you. Thank you all for tuning in, yeah. and we'll see you after Unpars, which is now sold out. So the only thing left is in uh, online tickets at unparsedconf.com. There's plenty more of them left, so get yourself there, and we'll see you on Monday. Thank you so much.